What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Couch. And today, me and Jordan are going to wrap up our free agency podcast. It's going to be part two of the free agency special. Obviously, it's a little late, so we apologize for that. But we are going to start the day with a little bit of Scoot and Wemby talk, and then we're going to go on to a free agency wrap-up, and then we're going to finish it by talking about the NBA tournament. So without further ado, here is Jordan. All right. I'm here with Jordan, and we are going to begin by talking about Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson. Um, who do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Wemby first, or do you want to talk about, talk about Scoot? I think we got to start with Wemby, right? All right, let's talk about Wemby. So, obviously, he plays a game, I believe, on Friday. Yes, Friday. And he plays pretty bad. Um, I think he scores like nine points. He seems like he loses complete confidence in his shot. Um, he has some bad turnovers dribbling wise. Um, he's on the ground a lot. He's getting pushed over a lot. He was struggling in the post defensively. He had just about as bad of a game as you could have. And then yesterday, Sunday night, he absolutely goes off 27 points, 12 assists, or sorry, 12 rebounds. Uh, he's blocking everybody. And you just see the flash of what his potential can be. Um, we're going to premise this by saying that summer league is something that you should not you shouldn't take any anything from it really you shouldn't you shouldn't look at it and say that a guy is going to be a bust you shouldn't look at it and say a guy is going to be an amazing player or whatever with this being said i mean we're going to try not to overreact about anything but what did you feel about Wemby from your the, the two games that you watched him um obviously they said today that he's done for the rest of summer league probably just wanted to get his confidence up with that final game but how did you feel about the Wemby performance from the last two games? Yeah, so full transparency, I had never seen him play a full game. I was not one of the ones who sat down and watched the film from France. So this was the first time I had seen anything from Wemby other than Instagram highlights, which is a big difference. So so the the game one, I was I was concerned. I was like, and I was kind of shocked. I was like, wow, this is the guy everyone's been talking about. I thought like you mentioned the stuff with the dribbling, he was just attacking from the perimeter. He was trying to play like Kevin Durant and be like some freakishly tall um, guard, like combo player. And he couldn't get by anyone. He couldn't really create a ton of separation. I was like, is this his game? So is this how he plays? And granted during that game, I was like, maybe they should give the seven foot five guy a touch like below the three point line. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I think there's a lot of guys on there fighting for a contract. I don't think they're going to be – they're not in position to make Wemby better is the problem. Right. But also, to that point, like Summer League, you don't run plays. It's literally just five out, and everyone is basically for themselves. But So I, I kind of gave him a little bit of a pass because I was like, that can't be how he always plays. And then we saw in the second game, he actually – first of all, he was much more aggressive. He was much more confident, all that stuff. But they got him some mid-post touches, some low-post touches, and then you start to see how unguardable he is when he's at his best and close, somewhat close to the rim. He also he also has the perimeter game. That's kind of like the bonus, right? Because he can attack from the perimeter if he has the right matchup or if he makes a good move. Like, it's possible. But when he was doing that, that was all he was doing game one. And I was like, this can't be what the Wemby everyone's talking about. And then... Obviously, game two, we saw 
the full package and I was like, okay, I, I need to settle down. Like this guy is uh, everything that everyone was saying. Yeah. I mean, I think it was funny too. He starts off this game two and he, you know, he missed like a couple, like he hit one shot, but he was, you know, kind of not super noticeable. And I, on the opposite of you, I kind of, I watched the Wemby versus Scoot game. It was on league pass. And then they had, League Pass had all of the Metropolitan's 92 uh, games on. So I did admittedly watch a couple of those games just to get a look at Wemby and see what he was like. Um, side note, you know who was um, the main guy on their team was Tremont Waters. Do you remember him? Of course I do, yeah. Yeah, he was on the team. I think he ended up getting kicked off, but he was like their elite, like he was the second best player on that team and was like the main point guard for uh <laughs> Wemby's team in France uh just a side note but um he did this thing work he didn't look great I'll be honest with you he was 5'10 and he <laughs> he was all right yeah. it was just like he was doing one of those summer league things where it was clear that he was trying to get a contract so um but later on I think as they got they got more playing time and stuff it's it they changed towards trying to make Wemby look really good and I think they did that that's aside besides the point though um I think Wemby, I noticed from watching his games, and people have said this too, like especially Windhorse, who had unprecedented access to him. He said that Wemby does this thing where he kind of takes, not takes off, but he'll play, he'll do the Jokic thing where he doesn't look for a shot for a couple of minutes and then he'll have like an awesome five minutes. And you saw in the beginning, he started off maybe a little slow. And then he did that thing that we texted about where he did the left to right crossover and then hits a mid range jumper with nothing but net. It was so smooth, so unguardable. He's so tall when he shoots. Like, he's tall regularly, but some people shoot kind of flat. He shot it so high, and he hits that and then goes on and scores nine points in five minutes. He gets a put-back dunk over someone. He, um, you know, like, just dunks from – he dunked from, like, the paint – uh, like, the outside of the paint, um, like, at the hash yeah. mark where you line up for the foul lines or for the free throws. He dunks from there. Like, like it was just impressive and he started to really come alive and then you see that confidence grow he hits a late three things like that he ends with 27 i believe and you just see why this guy's so hyped he's so skilled he's too scaled not to fail um he's going to be successful injuries withholding but i think people have the wrong interpretation of what wemby's going to be coming into their rookie season i think they think he's going to be this off- offensive you know mastermind in reality, he's much more suited to play really good defense, but he's probably not going to be wicked good offensively until he learns the speed of the game and puts on more muscle and weight. Um, I kind of we were talking about this last night, and I think that it's going to be more akin to the Evan Mobley season this year, where Mobley had a really good defensive season, but offensively he was pretty limited. And I think that's kind of what Wemby's going to be. The antithesis of that is that he's going to be in a system that's going to make him the best he that he can be which is not what summer league is like, as we mentioned. So he, he might, he will look better in summer league. Also his defense will look better because the defense out there is rough. I don't know how, if you saw it, but how confused everyone was getting on picks and switches and everything. I don't know if you noticed that, but yeah. Yeah. It's it was, bad. yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. It's a rough product. So I'm not scared of Wemby at all. Um, it was, what was like the biggest thing that stuck out to you about him? I think when he got going, how, unstoppable he was first of all but how every time down the court and every time he touched the ball it's like everything just kind of stopped and it was like yeah just everyone 
not not holding their breath, but just in awe and like just all I wanted watching that game was for Wemby to touch the ball. It's it's and it's all anyone wanted. <laughs> so yeah. I think the draw and the attraction of watching him play because he's so good, he's so unique, he's so different from anything we've ever seen, combined with just how well he ended up playing and he he doesn't have good shooting numbers. He didn't he didn't shoot the ball particularly well in the French league or or whatever league that is, but man, his jump shots fluid and he made some tough shots the other night that just make you say, okay, when he gets a couple summers in the gym, just working on shots, he's going to become something completely unstoppable when that jumper's falling. Cause no one can contest it. No, it's like, I mentioned Kevin Durant, he's five inches taller or four inches taller. So he's going to be ridiculous on offense. I I know you said he's going to, maybe struggle a little bit this year. I agree with you. I think he'll be better than Evan Mobley um, this past year, but I I do see where you're coming from, that he's going to have some stinkers, and every rookie does, but there's no reason to overreact to that. Um, The biggest play that stuck out to me was actually the play that he got dunked on by Brandon Miller, and it's because he switched off the guy at the three-point line, and not only... Like Kai Jones, to, you mean? Uh, Kai Jones, yeah. Um, On the oop, I forget if it was Kai Jones or Brandon Miller, but it was a play that he got... Like, yeah, it was Kai Jones, actually. But what people weren't talking about was the fact that he switched off his man who was on the three-point line and went, like, the top of the key three-point line and made it all the way over to the bottom left block and was still up in the air and contesting a dunk. I don't know if if you guys haven't played basketball before and you're, and you're somehow near a basketball court but haven't played basketball, go look at how far of a distance that is that he covered in five seconds and not five seconds in a millisecond. And just look at how insane that is defensively. That rotation is inhumane. The fact that he was able to get from that point to that point and then get up in the air and legitimately contest. Granted, he got dunked on that'll I mean, I still, I don't mind when guys get dunked on. I would rather them contest the shot than do nothing. And that was just so impressive to me because it's like, dude, I mean, once you get in, you know, other guys that actually know how to play defense and rotate. He's clearly very cerebral defensively and knows what he's doing. He has good movement and good rotation. He gets on a team with really good rotation. This guy's going to be your best defender and a lockdown defender. We're talking Anthony Davis level defense at his prime, maybe even better um, just because of the upside of his height. And it's really impressive stuff. Like that, that play just blew my mind. The fact that he was able to get there. You could see too the, the ground he covers when he got, I don't know, one or two rebounds and started pushing it on the fast break and and he gets over half court. It's it's Giannis like it's different because Giannis is probably faster, like first step, but Wemby's even longer than Giannis. And he just he can get from one end of the court to the other so fast. The recovery on defense, like you said, is going to be amazing. So, yeah, he's going to I think he might be close to the blocks leader as a rookie. And I think that's going to be really impressive. Yeah. And I think, I think the Spurs just need to find a point guard to pair him with. I mean, Bill Simmons was talking about this morning, uh, excuse me, like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Um, he gave out like, I forget who the other big, uh, pair was with a point guard and a, in a center, but someone like that, that just, they know how to play with each other and can facilitate off of each other. 
Um, I think that's what the Spurs are looking for, either in free agency or in the draft um, these next couple of years. I do, I do not think they're going to try and be good this year, though. I take that back. I mean, going into free agency, I thought because they had a ton of money, that they were going to try and push it and be good. And it's really clear that they're going to kind of really make sure that development and taking the time to build a team around Wemby is the move, which is what you were saying. So um, I think that's what they're going to be moving towards. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the right move. The point guard thing will be interesting. I think they have Trey, Trey Jones, Jones, but I don't he, – he's yeah. obviously not the point guard of – what's that? I said they have Trey Jones, and we said at the same time. But I think – I think um yeah, I don't know. Maybe he is with them. Maybe maybe he unlocks Wemby. Who knows? What if you could pick a player? Who would it be? Like Tyrese it, Halliburton. Yeah, the passing, the shooting. Uh, that that's a skinny long duo. That'd be fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, just a guy that is cerebral offensively is not going to look for his own yeah. shot if unless he needs to. Um, can set Wemby up and get him in. Um, just passes that he like the correct. Uh, passes that he needs to be successful, you know, just set him up like that. Yeah, right. And that's just the absolute opposite of what we're seeing or what we saw in summer league, which yeah. is why it's so hard to judge that game one. Like I said, I, I think they're going to run a lot of stuff for him. And obviously it's the Spurs and it's Popovich and it's going to be really good offense, whatever it is, wh- whether or not they have a ton of talent, they're going to run good offense and they're going to get Wemby the touches and the looks that he needs. So even if he doesn't have that point guard right away, I think he's in the perfect spot, and I think he's going to become very good very quickly. I completely agree. Um, all right, let's talk about Scoot now. He's the one that I was the most excited to talk about. Now, you, you can't really, like, obviously we talked about no overreactions. I'm going to overreact about Scoot because – when I was looking through the film and doing the prep for our draft stuff, um, I just couldn't understand why people were taking Brandon Miller over Scoot. It just was clear to me that when you watched film, Brandon Miller did not stick out very often. He wasn't extremely dynamic um, as a player. Scoot, when you watch film, Scoot was the guy that stuck out more than anyone, really, other than Wemby. You get him there, Rockets versus Trailblazers, which on the side note was the best summer league game I've ever watched, I think. Um, most fun, oh, yeah. maybe not the best basketball wise. And he's being guarded by Amen Thompson, who is a jaw and Zion level athlete. So top 99% athlete in the NBA. And he's unable to stay in front of Scoot Henderson. I'm obsessed with Scoot. I, I think that he's going to be the best player out of this draft other than Wemby. Um, I think it was a crime that he wasn't taken second. I think Charlotte really made a mistake. Not that Brandon Miller is going to be bad. I think Brandon Miller, like we talked about it yesterday. I think Brandon Miller... He's going to be a really high-end role player at, at floor and maybe like an, a couple-time All-Star or something. Scoot's a legit star, I think, and he's going to be a legit star. The way that this kid, the motor that he sh- that he has, the intensity, the love for the game, the speed, the body type that he has already at, he's like 20, 19. He is built with, he's massive with huge muscles and everything. He doesn't get pushed off his axis. He finishes well. He's, he was making shots. I mean, he he needs to work on his jumper. That's his one flaw. He's like Russell Westbrook, but a better team player, if that makes sense. Like, he is just yeah. the whole package, and he's something special, and you can see it right away. Like, the, the first – he got injured in, like, 15 minutes, I think. Those 15 minutes, he commanded the whole offense, and he ran it extremely well. 
and was by far like the most intriguing player on the court for both teams. And those were with guys that were like pretty, pretty good second year guys on that floor as well. Um, what stood out to you about Scoot? And do you feel as highly as Scoot about Scoot as I do? Totally with you and totally with you on Brandon Miller too. I honestly, I was thinking about it. I I'm all in pretty much on the top five picks from this year's draft. Like, I don't think yeah. there's a bust in here no. uh, in the top five, at least. So I agree. Scoot sh- should have gone second. I don't know when teams will get over the whole, we already have a point guard, so we can't draft this future star point guard because we have a de- we have a drafting good player for fit when you're a bad team does not make sense. You draft best available when you're a bad team. That, right. that you you draft for stars. You don't have fit yet. You you don't have your team yet when you're a bad. Exactly. Team. So Charlotte makes the mistake in that aspect, but with Scoot, the stuff that stood out to me, like you said, you said after you're like. Did you notice that Ahmed Thompson like really couldn't guard Scoot? Scoot like maybe he's not as good a defender as we all thought. And I was like, dude, who could have guarded Scoot? Like like watching him, I was like, Ahmed's doing all he can. Like the, it was more of just like handle... I was so surprised about his speed. Like Scoot is the yeah. Ahmed is ridiculously fast. We can talk about him next, but Scoot he couldn't stay in front of Scoot. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, the handle, the speed, and also. The mental side of reading guys, being able to break guys down. The thing with Scoot, like he's going to be able to get his shot whenever he wants. I think that's what stood out to me. He's going to be able to get to the mid range. He can get to the rim a lot. Obviously, he needs to work on the three a little bit in the jump shot overall. But like if he wants to create space and take a three, he can do that. He can do he can take a shot at will. The thing I think he might need to figure out a little bit is when to take the shots, what is a good shot, when to set up everyone else, because he can do everything, and he, he can be such a good playmaker. He already is a good playmaker. It's going to be interesting when he gets into the league. He's going to be their best player. So is he just going to become a shot jacker? I don't think he will because I think he's very smart. But I'm just saying, like, I think he could be everything all at once. I think he could average however many assists he wanted to, and he could be a complete total package player and be very efficient, or he could go the other way and he could just take all the shots he wants. And defensively too, he really holds up just the intensity, the str- like just chirping guys while he's playing defense. Yeah. Just- the mentality that that's the other thing with the Brandon Miller stuff that you clearly see. He's so <laughs> like passive. it's, it's not even close with the shit talking and like if I if I am on a team I want Scoot Henderson on my team mm-hmm. like so much more than Brandon Miller and I'm not trying to crap on Brandon Miller but like Scoot has that um leadership he has the alpha he is the alpha and mm-hmm. I, I it's it's so rare to see that with a 19 year old guy Brandon the Brandon Miller guy. the Brandon Miller stuff Never made sense to me because, I mean, I watched them all year. I, I'm a Tennessee fan. Tennessee plays Alabama a bunch. They're in the SEC. I never got, like, he was never, there was always stretches in every game where he was just silent. And, like, just, you were like, oh, I forgot Brandon Miller was on the floor. Um, And I I remember, especially in the um tournament, he was, he. I don't think he scored until the second game. Like, five minutes into the second game is when the first time he scored. And I mean, going back and rewatching tape, like it's not like I watched every game of him, but I watched a good amount of him just because I knew coming out like he was a big story. Uh, I mean, 
about how he was going to be potentially number two, and he ended up being number two anyways. Um, so I watched, you know, to make sure, see what he was like. And like I said, I mean, there's just times in those games where he's just non-existent. He looks disengaged, and he's not a gamer like Scoot. Scoot's a fucking gamer. Um, you're going to know Scoot's on the floor the entire time. And it's nothing to do with positions. Like, obviously, centers don't touch the ball as much. But Brandon Miller f- will take the ball and facilitate every once in a while. But he's not doing it the entire time. Um, he's a really good passer. He's a good shooter, very good shooter. And those are, you know, stuff that's going to really help him in the league. We, You and I were talking, I think Tobias Harris is more of like a floor for him, maybe a more tangible, most likely what he's going to be, maybe just yeah. slight floor. I don't know. Tobias Harris is a great player. Um, He's not your second pick when what you're getting could be, you know, Russell Westbrook, Derrick Rose, yeah. yeah, level. <laughs> I mean, just the speed we're talking. I don't know if Scoots could be MVP, but he might. I mean, who knows? I mean, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but Scoots fucking awesome. Um, so I just think it was. If I feel vindicated because I I I looked at this for a while, and I was like, obviously I'm a Tennessee fan, so I don't want to just be biased towards Alabama. So I'm going to take my time, do my research, and make sure that I really feel that Scoot should go number two. And everything I saw in the prep was that Scoot should go number two. It makes sense. And I, when he went. Uh, three, I was like, Charlotte's making a big mistake because also he could play well with Lamelo. He can play off the ball with Lamelo. He's done it. He did it um at overtime elite, um or G League, whatever team he was on um the year before. And he also is a good passer and a good playmaker. And we saw in the fast break, um, he was the complete antithesis of Cam Whitmore, where he was actually passing and getting hitting guys, you know, in transition when they had numbers and was facilitating offense and was setting up shots for shade and sharp. Like I was so impressed with every aspect of scoots game. And I th- I'm with you, dude. I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah. He's, he's a stud. Portland's going to be a great league pass team. Yes. Um. All right. Let, and then let's just talk about Amon Thompson real quick. We don't have to go super in depth on him, but I mean, the start stop speed on this guy is we saw it against lower um level guys, but dude, I mean, even against the lead athletes, it still holds up. Um, there is one play where he starts, he does like a couple, you know, dribbles and at a slower pace and then just takes one step at a much faster pace. And the guy was at the top of the key, just missing. And he just has a wide open layup and he can, he finishes yeah. with both hands at an elite level and the passing um, and the defense. I mean, how good do you think Amon Thompson can be? Yeah. So the finishing and the athleticism, is all the stuff you see on Instagram. So that I was expecting that, but to see a six, seven guy move the way he does with yeah. the ball in his hands, be able to get downhill like that, just be able to create plays and get by his guy whenever he wants. And then the vision and the passing, um, the, the feel for the game, I think is what stood out to me with Amen because I knew he was a great athlete but to be that level of athlete and have the high level feel for the game and mental side and vision and all that stuff and unselfishness, that's the rare part, which is why I said, like, I don't think we have a bust in this top five. I really don't. I think Amen is going to be a point guard in this league for a long, long time. I don't know. The jump shots, obviously the big question mark. And yes, that's something you can really work on. And I trust he will get a better jump shot. Um, how much better the jump shot gets will determine how high his ceiling is. I think floor, he's a starting point guard for 
10 years. I mean, he, or, or maybe, maybe not 10 years. Cause I don't know how long you can keep that athleticism at the level he has it, but you know what I mean? He's a high level starting point guard, like borderline all-star guy. Yeah. He's, I just hope he gets a jumper um, because that'll really unlock him. But he's one of those guys that can just unlock other players. And because of that, and he can get bailed out with his athleticism. So as long as he's injury free and with those kind of tools in his toolbox, he can be successful all the way through his NBA career, just because um, your floor rises so much when you have those tools. So, yeah, I'm I'm super excited for them. I think this is a really fun draft class. Obviously, um, there's been you know Keontae George is making noise. There's been a lot of guys that have really shown out for the summer league, and I just can't wait to get the season started. Um, speaking yeah. of the season, let's talk about some you know fringe NBA moves that happened while in between the last time we recorded. Um, the first one, uh, we can do this as a package deal. Jock Landell and Jeff Green signed to the Rockets, so. This Rockets team is officially super weird now. Um, <laughs> like it's a really weird mix of old guys and very very young. I don't really know what they're trying to do here. Um, so Jeff Green is a good addition. I think he would have been a good addition no matter what stage this team was at because he brings um, a lot of good expertise and is just an adult in the room. Um, the Jock Lindell signing is a little interesting to me. I, I'm a, we're we're both big Jock guys, but um, it's just weird because you have. Elpren Sengun and Jabari Smith. So are you trying to roll out a starting lineup of Fred Van Vliet, Jock Mandel, Dylan Brooks, Jeff Green, and then like Jalen Green? Because if that's the case, you still have Amon Thompson, Cam Whitmore, Jabari Smith Jr., um, and Sengun. That's that's a it's just an interesting team. I don't know which way you're going um with that. But yeah, I mean, those are just that's the first signings that happened. Do you have any thoughts on those signings? Yeah, well, I don't think Jock or Jeff Green will start the Houston stuff last year. They were just in desperate need of leadership or just a veteran presence, just someone to like, I don't I don't know, just have some sort of experience, some sort of extra coach like and. The what was the average age in that locker room last year? Like like 23? Yeah, 20, 20, 20, 20 <laughs> like you like just that. can't have that. So no matter how much Landale and Jeff Green play, you have the guys that can teach the, the young guys how to be in the NBA. And that's an underrated thing that you don't think about when you see really bad teams. But there's a lot more to the NBA than just um, playing basketball. And I think that's the big thing with these these moves with Landale and Jeff Green. I don't expect them to play a ton. I expect their young guys to go out and play huge minutes and be able to develop and hopefully show a lot more maturity on the floor than they did last year. Yeah, I, I, I it's just going to be an interesting team. I don't know what direction they're going in right now, but I think, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to watch the, a shit ton of them, I'll tell you that much, and it's going to be completely different than it was last season. Sure. Dylan Brooks was the one questionable thing. I think I, I like, I support all their other moves. Obviously great draft with Amen. Um, paid mm-hmm. Freddie a lot, but it, it's fine because mm-hmm. you need to spend money. And then Landale and Jeff Green, like I said, totally fine with. You need veterans. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, the next thing that happened was Grant Williams got signed and traded to 
the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I believe he signs a three or four year for 48. Um, and then we get a couple of second round picks in that deal. The Celtics do. Um, that Grant is like a perfect player to put besides Luca. I mean, a three and D stretch wing, you know, guy who can guard yeah. bigger players if needed. Um, he's, you know, very vocal, um, great defender, great. He was a great shooter. He wasn't a great shooter, but he was benched, um, with Joe Mazzullo. Yeah. He was a great shooter for Ime though. Um, I I'm fine with this because I mean, the Celtics weren't going to pay him that much. That's a lot of money for a guy that wasn't going to play on this team. So, I mean, it sucks that we lose him because I personally liked Grant. Obviously, he went to UT, but he was very frustrating. And um, I'm interested in seeing how him and Kyrie do together. But how did you feel about this signing for the Mavericks? So, for the Mavericks, this is like an A trade. For the Celts, I think it's like a B. It's just like a nothing. It's a yeah. It's fine. But for the Mavs, this is everything you want. Um, for kind of like a low or to a mid-level player. He's not taking any extra shots away. The the thing we say about the Mavs is a lot of it is stand and watch Luca mm-hmm. and wait. Like if your guy helps off you, just be ready to shoot. The ball's gonna find you. And that's pretty much what Grant does, anyways. So it's it it doesn't matter what team he's on, that's how he plays. And so that fits perfectly. Obviously, they need the defense. He's a great defender. It's perfect for the Mavs. Do the Mavs become the most annoying team in the league for the refs after <laughs> this? Because you're going to have Luca on one end bitching yep. about every call. You're going to have Grant on the other end bitching about every call. And then you're going to have Kyrie just burning Sage throughout <laughs> the whole thing. I don't know if, if Kyrie is a huge annoyance to the refs no, or not, not as, bad, as not much as he bad. is for the fans, no. uh, especially Boston fans. But yeah, the, the refs are going to have a hard time in Dallas. With so Grant and Luka, that's just going to be that's just going to be rough. Um, yeah. Okay, and then the final thing. This is just a meme. This is funny as fuck. Uh, Paul Reed is a restricted free agent, and Utah just goes and offers him um, more money just so that way they put uh, Philly in the luxury tax if they if they uh, match it, and then of course they have to go and match it, and they go to the luxury tax. And it was just a funny little fuck you from Danny H. Dale Morey. And I just wanted to talk. That about was. That real quick. That was really funny. And Paul Reed, it's like he's a good player. You're like, yeah, but it's he got minutes like, for them. But it's just that didn't need to happen if the it was just if so the funny. Jazz didn't do that. Yeah, it was funny. And all that did was make me mad that Austin Reeves, that the Spurs didn't do this to Austin Reeves. Or anyone like yeah. <laughs> that could have stumbled into Austin Reeves. I just will never understand how you could have offered him 120 as a bad team. And if this the Lakers don't match, well, you have Austin Reeves who will be a good player for the next five to seven years so i don't get that yeah no i agree all right let's also real quick can we talk dame for a second yeah i'd love to okay we had a great dame talk last pod yeah i um i want to talk dame real quick because i i did some thinking and i tried to figure out how the dame situation could be fixed and I don't know how it's going to be fixed, but what I do know is that this is not going to be a two-team trade between Miami and Portland. One of two things is going to happen. Portland's not going to budge and is going to trade him to a team that's not Miami. Or they're going to trade him to Miami using a three-team deal. But there is no way in hell this is going to be a two-team deal, and nor should it be. Because what what Trailblazers have right now is a legit star in Scoot, potentially. 
you know what you need to do. You need to get rid of Dame and build around Scoot. It's pretty evident now. You have a great core with Simons and Shaden Sharp and Scoot. What you don't want to do is take 50 cents on the dollar for Dame Lillard. It doesn't make sense. You don't owe him that at all. You gave him the contract. That's what you did for loyalty. You've built teams around him that have been you know, competitive. And the people saying that um, team or players are watching this to see how this is handled by Portland to decide whether or not they go to Portland. No one's signing with Portland. No one has ever signed with Portland. Okay. So this is not swaying anything. And I think that they need to do what's right for their team. And I think that they're going to do that. So I have two trades that I made that are three teamers that were really hard to make. And I don't know. I just want you to tell me how logical they are. You can be honest. If they're not logical, just tell me because I've been working them out and I spent like two hours doing this because I could not. I, I like it's it's hard to figure this trade out to be it's honest. Not that with many you. out there. Yeah, there's not that many out there at all. Um, so the I didn't I I worked so hard on these I didn't even come up with titles. So that's how you know that <laughs> took me so long. That that tells you something. Yes. So the first team trade is with the Nets, the three team trade, and it sends Damian Lillard to the Heat, Ben Simmons, Duncan Robinson, Jaime Hawkes, um, and a 2024. Uh, pick well, first round pick 2026 first round pick 2026 second round pick um, to the Blazers and then Tyler Hero and Yusef Nurkic to the Nets um, so the Trailblazers do and this Dame because to the heat. Dame to the Heat I, I said that first um, okay so the reason you do this as the Trailblazers is you get rid of Nurkic's bad contract by taking on a bad contract of Ben Simmons which is expiring so you can um, you know, you can get off that soon. On the off chance, maybe Ben Simmons ends up being something. And guess what Ben Simmons is if he pans out to be what he's supposed to be? The complete perfect fit for your team, if you think about it. Um, a guy that can facilitate and plays really, really good defense and is not going to look for his own shot. So he's not going to take any shots away from Simons, uh, Scoot, or Sharp, which I think they're going to have to get rid of one of those three because that's kind of redundant. But if you do this deal and Ben Simmons somehow pans out, I mean, that's pretty solid for them in terms of facilitation. Also, he goes to a really small market team in Portland where he can kind of be away from the media and do his own thing and not have a bunch of people watch him and hound him. Um, and then you get Duncan Robinson, who, you know, expiring contract, whatever, um, you can kind of flip him or whatever. And then you get a really intriguing prospect in Jaime Hawkes Jr., who could be a really good player for you and fits along with your timeline a little bit better. Um, and then the reason the Nets would do this is you get off of the Ben Simmons contract, which is awesome for you. You, I think that they want to do that, and Ben Simmons yeah. is essentially untradeable. And then you get, you know, a solid player in Tyler Hero who can fit well with Mikhail Bridges. Maybe you flip him further, or you get rid of Dinwiddie, whatever. And then you get a. I mean, Nurkic is not great at all, but he's backup. You know, he's they need some big backups for. Um, they have Clowney and Claxton right now, but you could use more bigs. So um, he's like a good backup or, you know, just good it, offensive it, big for two defensive bigs. Yeah. Um. So how do you feel about this deal? And do you think it's even realistic? I do think it's realistic. I think the only team that says no here. Well, I don't know if I'm Portland. Do I really want Ben Simmons? Like, I don't no. know. Uh. Now, I, I think Portland is going to wait this out and they're going to really see what the packages end up being. Mm -hmm. They're going to give other teams a lot of time because they're just going to show them that they're not going to settle for the heat package straight up. So that could end up being the better package. 
certainly better than what the Heat could offer them. It, it just depends on if they want Simmons or not. And then for the Nets, Hero's good. I guess you do it more to just get off Ben Simmons, just get yeah. him out of the building. So I'm with that. I I like it. I don't think it's as realistic as the one you're about to propose, though. Yeah, okay, so the second one is with the Timberwolves. And this one, I think, fixes a lot of problems um, for everyone. So this one is the Trailblazers get Cat, and then they get the same picks that I mentioned, round one from, or sorry, first round pick from 2024, first round pick from 2026, second round pick for 2026, and first round pick from 2027. Dame goes to the Heat, and then the Blazers, or sorry, the the Wolves get Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and a first round pick in 2028 and a second round pick in 2029 from the Heat. Um, we can mix mess around with the picks there. Maybe the Heat get off a pick or something. I mean, the Blazers get off a pick or something. I don't know. Um, to me, I don't know what the cat market looks like. So maybe the Blazers can or the Wolves can get a lot better for cat. This is assuming that they're the cat market is not really solid and um, you kind of get him out of there. And you start to build around Anthony Edwards. And this makes a pretty fun team with Anthony Edwards and Tyler Hero. And then yeah. obviously you will would build from there. Um, and then for the Blazers, I think this is a guy like you can you can look at and be like, all right, well, Cat does sell tickets. Um, we're trading a superstar for another star in Cat, um, someone that'll put butts in seats and sell tickets. And then you have a really offensive powerhouse with Cat. And the three guards there, and maybe some of Scoot's uh, alpha runs rubs off on Cat. So, um, what are your thoughts on this trade in terms of likelihood? Likelihood, I have no idea because I'm not in NBA yeah. circles. On paper, how much I like it is like uh, an A minus. I think for this deal to work, for Dame to get to Miami, there has to be a third team, like you said, and for there to be a third team. That third team needs to be happy with what they're getting in the deal. I think Minnesota's very happy in this. It's clear Cats probably time in Minnesota has run out. At least it it should be running out. And you made the mistake with the Gobert deal, but you can't flip Rudy Gobert now because what's Rudy Gobert's value right now? Very, very low. So now you bring in Hero, you have Edwards, Really good one-two scoring punch. Really, really good. One really good shooter, one really good slasher. But two guys that can attack off the bounce and just get buckets. I think they fit perfect together um, playing the two and the three. Then you have, I believe, Mike Conley to facilitate, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you have Rudy Gobert down low and whoever else. So I think it fits perfect for Minnesota. Obviously, Hero's young on the same timeline with Ant. And like you said, you can flip Hero in the future if you don't like the fit or if you think you can get something better for him. Then for Portland, they're not doing the Miami deal because why the fuck would they want Tyler Hero? They have Simons, Shaden Sharp, and Scoot, three really good young guards. Why do you need to go bring in another um, shot taker? As good as Hero is, you don't need another guard to come in and take shots. They need a big. Carl Anthony Towns is absolutely perfect on Portland. I don't know how long he would stay there. I don't think they would ever get all the way with Cat. I think depending on how those three guards develop, that team could be a, a serious noisemaker in the playoffs. Um, whatever you think about Cat, he's very talented. He's a very good 
um, score, post score, perimeter score. He can shoot the lights out for a big, one of the best shooting bigs of all time. So I, I love it for Portland. Obviously Miami's happy with Dame. I think this is as perfect of a three teamer as you can find. Thank you, buddy. Um, Not to mention, by the way, that Portland gets a shitload of picks, which they also yes, need. They do. Um, the thing that was, I so I tried to do a Clippers three way as well, and those are the three teams I think that can only are like literally the only three teams that it really makes sense. And the Clippers, I could not figure out. I mean, they're not moving with off of Terrence Mann, who's like their only asset. So unless you want to include Paul George, which I think is too much for, like. You, Dame has came out and said today that he doesn't want to go to the Clippers or the Celtics. Um, boo fucking who, by the way. Literally, like, really. Boo. What? what <laughs> but the hang fuck on, though. Hang on. We we had the talk last time, but I think the one thing we didn't mention is why would the Clippers trade for him? Why, like, I don't know. If you're going to trade for an unhappy player, why are you doing that? I get the whole that's what Dame I'm saying. loves basketball, but I just – I think he would play in L.A., but how long before – Kawhi gets hurt and it's just Dame and then Kawhi leaves and then Dame requests to leave. Like, I just, I don't see why you would trade for a guy who says he doesn't want to play for you. Well, that's where I got stuck. I was like, there's no way they're trading Paul George for Dame. That's not going to happen because he's he's not going to play. And then I was like, well, maybe if they, they can help facilitate it to get Dame to Miami. And I was like, well, maybe there's a thing where they can take on Nurkic for, you know, Marcus Morris, do a flip right to get off the bad contracts and then i was like why the fuck would portland want marcus morris um (laughs) and then it just it really devolved into me like just not finding anyone and robert covington going back to portland and it was just there was just nothing there really um and i think this goes to show you that the pace or not the pacers i don't know why they just came to mind but i think this goes to show you that this dame trade is going to be very difficult to do um and i think that they are going to end up doing a three-team deal, and I can, I feel like it's going to be either Minnesota or um, the Nets, and that's right now. But what most likely is going to happen is they're going to hold out on this and make make Dame figure something out. Um, either he ends up playing, or they hold on to him until uh, the next newest superstar who becomes unhappy comes up, and then you flip for him for him or whatever happens. But I don't think the, that it's happening this summer. The other thing that could happen is. Dame could get so sick and tired of it and be like, okay, the season's here. I I need to change my request. Like, okay, now I'm adding teams to the list. I'll go here, yeah. here, and here. Because when you say I only want to play for Miami, well, now you've ruined the market. Now exactly. no one else is going to give up a lot for you, and Miami's not going to give up a lot for you because they know you only want to play there. So I think I agree with you. It's going to drag out. Um, either they figure out a three-teamer and get them to Miami or – Dame comes out and changes his request because I don't think Portland can trade him somewhere else uh, until it, until Dame says I will play for so and so. Well, what I I texted you today and I was like, well, why can't they trade it to a team and then the team finds like who likes the Miami deal better and then they flip him to Miami and then you're like, well, why not just do a three team deal? And yeah, like, it would just be three team. That, that's what that is. So that's why the <laughs> you added an extra step. <laughs> yes, I was like, just it's like when you overthink something so much that you go around it. So yeah, all right, that's enough, Dame. Um, let's move on to the in season tournament now. Um, the NBA has announced that there's going to be a new in season 
tournament and the inaugural in-season tournament will tip off on Friday, November 3rd and culminate, excuse me, with a championship on Saturday, December 9th. So there's going to be a long month long in-season tournament um, that ends up, I think it ends up, they play like 67 total games um, between every team in the NBA. And then uh, it accumulates in the winner getting like a cash prize of some sort. Um, So the way that it works is there is three groups in each conference, uh, East group, a East group B East group C, and then same thing with the West. Um, And then each team in that group plays each other. And then the winners from those groups um, play each other and advance forward and at tournament style until, you know, you get the winner. Um, how do you feel about this idea at the low point of sports in general, the way that they do it is right after college football kind of dies down, or there's like a break in between football and college football and basketball. And then it's one of the low points of the sports season. And now this is going to be taking it over. So how do you feel about this? So overall, I really, really like it. I have a lot of questions. As a fan, though, I am overjoyed that this is happening. Tournament basketball is unbelievable to watch. March Madness is one of the best sporting events of the year, every year. No matter if you even like basketball or not, you watch mm-hmm. March Madness. Because it's just it's that crazy and it's that fun to see a bad team go in and, and beat Duke. Or, or to see a really good team go on a run and see Duke and Kansas play in the championship. Like... There, there's so much stuff with tournaments that we don't get in the NBA because of how the series are set up. Um, so this finally gives us that. And th- so the group stage, I think, is going to be really fun. Three groups of five in each conference. Each team gets two road games, two home games. Everyone plays each other once. I just think that's going to be fun to see how all the different teams look against each other. And it, it I don't know. It, it's interesting. The part I have questions about, which I want to know what you think, like the teams that are load managing, right? Ka- mm. Kawhi's supposed to sit out on Tuesday and he's going to play Thursday. I don't see that changing for, I don't see the incentive for the NBA teams to care that much as a fan. I'm going to care and I'm going to watch, I'm going to be interested. But like, if you're, if you're a team that has stars that you want to rest, which teams do uh, a shocking amount in the NBA, I don't think there's enough on the line to change that mindset. Yeah, this is going to if the if the prize was bigger, um, that would have been nipped in the bud. Like Simmons brought up, Bill Simmons brought up, um, like if it was this was for the tenth or fourteenth pick, that would be crazy, yeah. and teams would be right. going hard. Um, it's not though, and because of that, I don't think Kawhi, like you said, I th- that you're gonna have load management through this. It's still gonna be fun as fuck. I love this idea. I think this is what this is the type of stuff that NBA needs. Um, they need to make the regular season matter. Ultimately, what they need to do is cut down the amount of games that there are in the regular season, so that way they matter more. And then, yeah, you you get rid of load management. And um, but there's too much basketball on. Like I love basketball, and I hate this down period. But there's too much. Once it all is on, it's impossible to watch it all. First off, second off, I mean, you don't want to see load management. And then third off, you don't want um, people to like spend tons of money to go see a guy and then him not play. Um, yeah. And that's what happens now. And I think we're playing at such a high level. They're like they're playing such high level basketball. They're putting so much strain on their bodies and so much work and all this type of stuff that uh, your body breaks down over time just because it's not meant to do that for that many games. Um, so adding more games, I think so these count for the regular season games. So it just makes the regular season games more important. 
I wish they would have just cut down a couple of regular season games and done this, but that's all right. This is still going to be awesome. But yeah, to answer your question, the load management is not going away. It doesn't matter though, because then the Clippers will just fucking lose, but we'll get like OKC versus Cleveland, which was like such a fun right. young teams going head to head, like Shea versus Donovan Mitchell that you wouldn't see and, in a similar to playoff setting. It's like, like you wouldn't right. see that unless they played each other in the finals. Right. And now you get to see that in the beginning, like in the middle of the season. Right. And I don't know if it's going to be playoff intensity. I think it'll be closer to regular season intensity than it will I think playoff. it's closer to play in though, which in which play in is just about playoff is almost playoff. Yeah, intensity. see, I disagree with with that. I, I think play in is playoff. Yeah, actually, I, I count that, those I as playoff games, but it will be that it will be a little extra. It, it's like regular season plus. It's it's like mm. a it, it, it all it is really is it's like a rivalry game or a nationally televised game that everyone's gonna want to get up for. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun to see, like like you said, the teams that you don't really think of make noise. Like you're going to see a big upset, maybe like Milwaukee loses to Detroit or something. Like how yeah. fun could that be? <laughs> and and yeah. Milwaukee like gets knocked out of the tournament. Um, I I think it's going to bring a few more eyeballs to NBA basketball, and overall, I think it's just going to be really exciting. My take is that the young teams are going to be awesome. Like, I really think that because they're going to try and they're so athletic and yeah, like their bodies are so much, you know, I I think they're like able to withstand some tough, like, you know, intensity over and over again like that. And I think, like you said, they're going to, they're going to try. Um, They're going to be, you know, balls to the wall. And I think they're, they're going to be really successful. And then you know, manage. No, not. Uh, yeah, you're right. And you know what I've noticed, too, is that there is a lot of young guys coming in that have that Kobe intensity. It just sort of skipped the generation after Kobe's, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Jason Tatum. Well, Tatum, Tatum plays, though, at least. Tatum doesn't yeah. load manage. I'm talking guys like, and you can't say Dame because he doesn't load manage, but like uh, Kawhi load manages yeah. a bunch. And then you have the guys that are just like soft, you know, like Cat's pretty soft. Um Kawhi's soft, not soft, Kawhi just load manages, but it's funny that um, we talk about like this Kobe Mamba man intensity and you're starting to see it like Thompson twins have it. Um, Scoot has it in spades. There are a lot of guys from uh, Anthony Edwards has it for sure. He has it. Um, There are a lot of guys that are just have whatever it takes. And then there's guys like Christian Brown has just tremendous fucking balls on him. (laughs) Like there's just guys that like, have that mentality of just being fucking alphas that you're seeing more and more of, um, which I thought was dead for a while. So I'm glad that it's coming back. Uh, are we doing way too early NBA cup champion picks? Like <laughs> what? dude, all I can think of is the thunder. I don't know why. I just feel like I just, for some reason have this thought that it's going to be them. I will say this Pacers. I hope the Celtics don't win it so badly oh my god <laughs> because then all it's gonna be is oh they can't win the real championship so yeah. they won the fake one oh they, my god. <laughs> they won the one that doesn't mean anything yeah yeah they're really good at that so all the I, heat fans I, all the heat I fans think, are just gonna be fucking on us about it yeah genuinely my pick would be the celtics because they're usually the healthiest and they're still young why would you say they're, that why would you say that well they are they're usually the healthiest <laughs> he's gonna double down what do you not fucking believe <laughs> yes. in 
I'm we, we just added down. Chris Stapp's that, Porzingis onto our team, and you're gonna and got rid of. Okay, all right. Either way, dude, I, they're my pick, and I hope they don't win it. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of the Celtics, why is Jalen Brown not signed yet? I don't know. Are you I, moving? What? Yeah, I what? gave the. What? Ask your question. Okay, if there's three levels of um, scared, scared, scaredness. What's the word for that? <laughs> Being scared. I I don't know. Scariness. We'll say scariness. No, three <laughs> levels of scariness. Um, and we're gonna do it with colors, which is tough because I'm colorblind. But uh, we'll say green is like you're not scared. Yellow is you're starting to get scared, and red is you're fucking freaking freaked out. What color are you? I think I'm yellow. I'm yellow. I thought you'd be more like an orange, like a like it's just about to turn red. I'm at like it just turned yellow for me. It just I'm turned not... yellow for me because I thought it was gonna get done this week, but it hasn't yet. Yeah, I'm not super scared. There was the thing that comes out of the Boston Globe, maybe, and it was like the Celtics are something seismic is about to happen. Like there's gonna be a what? huge did... move. Wait, what? When, did... when that? Came yeah, out? yeah. There, there was a quote out of the Boston Herald that said something crazy is gonna happen. When? But let's look it up, dude. We got time. It's a podcast. Hang I, on. Yeah, look this up because I, don't, I didn't ever saw this. Also, speaking of which, Jordan Walsh is fucking good and he I think he makes the roster and plays a little bit. I don't know if he'll be he'll definitely be a two-way guy, but I I feel like he might put in some minutes like Pritchard level minutes. I mean, he's, he's I like pretty fun Jordan to watch Walsh a lot. Okay, yeah. here we go. The Boston Globes Adam Himmelsback received that league sources are telling him that Celtics are positioning themselves for a seismic move. That was the quote that came out. When did it come <laughs> out though? 4 days ago. Oh, it's dead now. It's dead. You think? <laughs> After I think like, four days. Well, no, no. I'm I'm thinking that's that's going to be like a mid-season seismic move that they're positioning. Themselves. That's why I'm a yellow because I, the first thing that comes to mind is Dame, but then when you really think about it, no, it's more like I, like OGO and Ananobi or something. That doesn't feel seismic though, does it? Are they exaggerating? Is seismic not the word that they should have used because? Seismic I mean, to me means a huge earth-shattering team changing move. So it's that was written July 6th. Um yeah. in the dead point of summer with nothing going on. I don't <laughs> I think what he I think what that report is is that he saw them adding all these second round picks and just saw that they have a good amount of assets and what the, he say thinks is that they can make a move for the next unhappy star. And then that would be, I think seismic is just a move to get people to view that, to be honest with you. I mean, it says per sources, so that could be straight from Brad Stevens. Yeah, but you position, never know with, with no, per sources. There's no fucking way. <laughs> Positioning himself for a seismic move, that's just that's just watching. Like, that's from people around the league being like, yeah, they could make a big-ass move. And then he yeah, added the everyone's, word seismic. everyone's monitoring Giannis Antetokounmpo on the train. Yeah, no market. fucking way. No fucking way we get Giannis. I wish, but no fucking way. No, but like, yeah, the, of course everyone's monitoring Giannis, dude. Of course the Celtics are going to yeah. be on the lookout shit. for the no next shit. big trade, but <laughs> I don't Giannis know. Giannis is on the block. You make a fucking call. You yeah. just do. Jalen Brown that that's why I moved to a yellow. Really, is they they moved Grant, but I think they would have moved Grant anyways. Even if they weren't making a move, we're just like it's never bad to have extra picks. So the Grant thing wasn't crazy, but then this comes out. Then you add in that Jalen hasn't been signed yet. It's kind of like why else? 
why would it be taking this long? I threw out last pod that it could be because they're working on something team friendly where they can throw in a team option. Maybe Jalen doesn't take the full max. Like, but those talks shouldn't take that long. And I, I just don't know what else could be going on other than the fact that the Celtics are thinking about a trade. Yeah, I I don't know what they're doing. I keep thinking that I kept saying that they're going to I kept saying they're not done yet. They're going to add something. They're going to add a guard and they didn't. So that number that it's dwindling who they could add. I know they're working out John Wall. Um, that's oh, yeah, not what perfect. we're looking for. Yeah, that's not what we're <laughs> looking for. I'll tell you that much. You want a guy who facilitates, not looks for his own shot. Um, well, he, yeah, he's also four years old and can't shoot. Yeah. So I don't know what they're doing. I really don't. But um, yeah, I don't know. Second round picks are always a good thing to have, contrary to what that guy on TikTok was saying. He, uh, I know. Our... That was funny. <laughs> he's just Wait, so saying that. You, you have to answer, though. Why do you think it's taking this long? Like, what the fuck could be happening? I don't know. I really don't know. I've been trying to figure it out. and I, No one knows. No one's really like talking about it either. I think there's a few people that are like us that are that are saying, guys, what the fuck? Uh, what's going on with Jalen? But other than that, people are just talking about Jordan Walsh and J.D. Davison shitting his pants. It's yeah, it's just the murmurs. And it's because for the first time ever, the Celtics haven't like leaked anything. And there's no like all the indications have been that they're going to sign Jalen rather than trade him. Where in the past, it's like the trade rumors fly so hard because the Celtics don't like shut them down and they never gave us a reason to believe that they wouldn't trade him. Um, but everything that happened this year makes you think they will trade him and all the reports that come out. So yeah, I, 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 just, I'm, I don't know. I'm looking through Twitter now. I'm going to look up Jalen Brown contract and just see Jalen Brown and the Celtics are moving closer to an agreement on a contract extension that will likely come together in the coming week. Okay. <laughs> well that solves that five hours ago they're starting to progress on a contract extension who said that someone know uh, yes um jared weiss mba he's good jared weiss mba he does he works for the athletic and then um weiss jared weiss. weiss yes weiss apologize <laughs> and then adam himmelsbach said the same thing and he's from the um that's probably the guy that you're quoting from that's the, the guy <laughs> yeah that's him. he said so what new, is this the... seismic move adam there, he, I'll tell you what it is. It's he's fucking, <laughs> it's July 6th and not shit was happening and he needed a fucking headline. It's called, um, you know, making something, making a, a readable headline. It's a good thing to do. Marketing tactics right there, uh, buddy. I, I, Adam, you lost a fan today. No, you didn't, Adam. Come on the pod or bring us into the Boston Globe, whatever one you want to do first. That's fair, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We'll sponsor you, Boston Globe. I'm sure we have some listeners that yeah would read. we have the money. Yes. All right. Let's finish it up before we lose any sp- potential sponsorship opportunities. Um. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for coming on, Jordan. We will be back later in the week, uh, with some betting picks. I think from Butsy, we're going to revamp the gambling couch segment of the couch. Um. If any moves or significant things happen, we'll also be covering that. We're probably going to talk a little Sh- Shohei as well because he just needs to be talked about. Um. Talk about summer league. And then continuing on with some NFL stuff. Eventually, we're going to switch over to more NFL and college football stuff while that season's going on. And then, obviously, we'll get back to NBA, NFL. It's all going to start ramping up soon. We're in the dead zone right now, but we're working through it. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back very soon. And peace.